We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Amen. Amen. So, um, as I've said, God has very specific instructions. Um, he has me here on a very specific assignment this morning, and so I'm not going to belabor that with a long introduction. Um, so we'll just get right into it. Um, for many of you who have been coming to Truth Movement Church within the last year, you know that I had um, back surgery last year. I've mentioned it when I'm talking or I've mentioned it um, just, you know, doing announcements or whatever. You probably have heard me mention that around this time last year, I had back surgery. To be specific, I had it on October 29th, 2018. So it's almost been a year to the date that I had back surgery. Um, I have friends and family in the room who walk with me through that journey and who were praying with me and who knew all of the doctor updates and what was going on. Um, but if you have not heard it, I'll give you a brief, a brief synopsis of what happened. So in the beginning of 2018, I started having numbness in my lower region, so here down, um, numbness and tingling, and at first it was um, kind of off and on, so it wasn't worth anything really giving any attention to, but then it continued and it became more problematic and it started to interrupt my day-to-day -day activities, so I used to, well, I still love to exercise that person, can't always tell it, but I love to exercise. Um, and so it started impacting that because I would go to exercise and I would have like this shooting, tingling sensation. So long story short, um, I go to my primary care doctor. He does a battery of tests. He sends me to get an MRI. It turns out that my spine is actually fractured. And so um, I see two different neurosurgeons, and both of them are saying that based on what they're looking at, this break probably happened somewhere between the ages of 9 and the age of 15. So last year, I'm sitting at 31. So... Worst case scenario, it's been broken for 22 years. Best case scenario, it's been broken for about 16 years. Um, and so they tell me that you have to have surgery. I actually ended up going to um, a neurosurgeon, Dr. Masson. Shout out Dr. Masson if you're listening, because um, he was amazing. And he told me very clearly, we had a surgery consult. My husband was there and he said, okay, so there's pre-surgery, which is like getting your body ready. Um, for surgery. He said, you're actually in good physical condition. All the exercising has helped. You're at a healthy weight. Not, not too much work to do there. Um, and then he said, now the next phase is actual surgery. So this is where me and my team are going to shine because he has this whole team of doctors and anesthesiologists. And he's like, this is where we're going to come in. And he talks about this microscopic um, robot that they use. And he gets me all like excited in all the, the science of it. And he's like, so this is where we're going to shine. He said, however, there's post-op that is going to be really critical for you, and this is where I'm going to need your commitment, because post-surgery is how successful you are with post-surgery is going to hinge upon how, the, how well this, um, this surgery is maintained. You guys follow me? So he tells me, um, 
we're going to shine on the surgery day, but after that, there's going to be a few things you're going to have to do. Um, you're going to have to change your diet because you're going to have to make sure that you're eating the right things because the bones going to be trying to fuse together. Just so you know, I had to have a full spinal, spinal fusion. So take rods and screws and reconfigure your back and then hopefully it will fuse with the other piece of spine there. Um, you're going to have to eat right. You're going to have to go to post-op appointments, but you're going to have a follow-up appointment and many of those to make sure that you're doing what you need to do. You're going to have to do physical therapy, all of this stuff. So I give you this whole long, I said I wasn't going to do a long intro, but there it goes. Um, I give you this whole long intro to say that he really told me that if you're not going to do the post-op work, it may not be effective or in your best interest for me to do the surgery at all because there's so much hanging on the post-operative work that has to be done. So we've been in the habit series. We were in the habit series from August 11th until last Sunday. It was a long time to be in a series, but there was a lot of work that was done in the habit series. God was cutting and scraping, and he would go in and pour grace on the wound and then cut at that same place again. And there was so, I'm, I'll speak for myself because maybe y'all weren't, you know, on that. But for me, there was a lot of cutting and a lot of work being done. And what God is saying today is that we're going to post-op the Happy Series. Is that all right? So today is your first post-op. I started to have y'all sign in and collect the copay, but I didn't do that. <laughs> didn't know if y'all would play along like that. But today is our first post-op. And in giving me this message, God was really stressing that the church, not this church, but the church, the body of believers, we don't always do a great job at this part. Because we are good for a seal it with a hallelujah this concludes it. Let's move on to the next thing. But this part is the most important part. And it's the most practical part. And we don't really do a good job at this. So today we are. Need my water. Sorry. So if you would please um, go with me to Joshua chapter 1 and then Joshua chapter 5 as well. So Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 5. We're just going to visit Joshua chapter 1 really briefly. Chapter 5 is where we're going to spend most of our time today. But what God is going to do is he's going to give us some post-op instructions. He's going to give us some steps for our recovery plan to make sure that all those three months that we were in the habit series, that that work can actually be preserved. Amen? So let's go to Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, the Hittite, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. 
No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So if we kind of walk it back, I was reading that scripture and I couldn't help but think about the beginning of this year when we were in the vision series. And so many of you come on a regular basis and so you remember the vision series or you're listening by podcast faithfully. So you remember that we were in the vision series. And similar to what happened here, Moses was the one that was originally supposed to take the people out of Egypt from bondage to the land that was promised for them. However, he and a whole generation of Israelites did not make it out of the wilderness because of their grumbling and their murmuring and their complaining. So in this scripture, God is telling Joshua, now he's gone. It's time for you to lead these people into this land, this land that was promised way back to Abraham in Genesis. So now we go to the beginning of this year. And I remember sitting in the vision series and I remember God starting to speak to TMC about the promises, the promised land for TMC and starting to talk about the land that he had for TMC and saying things like that, you know, we will serve and we will supplement, we will do Sundays. And he started to speak to the land that he had for TMC. Does this, I'm going back in your notes. Does this sound, okay, so this happened. And then he started talking to you as an individual about the land that he has for you. And he started showing you that um, he has purpose for you. And he started talking about about purpose for your family and all of the land and all of that. Does it sound familiar? Okay, so that happened. But then he tells Joshua, I have this land for you. You're the person to take them. But before you do that, he detours them. Okay, so now let's go to the detour. Joshua chapter 5. I'll give you two seconds to scroll there. Okay, Joshua chapter 5. Starting at verse 1. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. So I'm going to put a pin in that really quickly. So he tells them you're going to go to this land. You have to cross through the Jordan. And while they cross through the Jordan, he does a miracle. The Jordan is at usually at a flood stage. He allows them to walk across on dry ground. So this is very similar to like the Red Sea moment. They get to witness a miracle of God. And then when the outsiders hear about this, they are now very fearful of the people because they know that God is with them. So that happens. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibbeth, Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. Tune in here. This is really important. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out have been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites have moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. We already talked about that. For the Lord has sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. 
they were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised along the way. So you have a group of a new generation of people who have the same promise of land that their ancestors had. But now when it's time to cross over, God has to detour them. Because along the way, when they were supposed to be circumcised, because it's like an eight-day-old activity that's supposed to take place, it did not happen because while they were in the wilderness, their parents were so busy questioning God and questioning Moses and complaining about manna and asking for meat and being upset about not being in Egypt. They were so distracted that they didn't circumcise their babies. So I'm thinking about the Habit series and learning about my MO and learning about things that are just genetic to me and learning about my, my operating system and learning about the bell that's ringing. And there are some things that probably should have been addressed a long time ago, but they didn't get addressed a long time ago because there was distraction. But what God told Joshua is before you can go into my land, this sounds familiar, before you can go into my land, there's some work I have to do. That's why he detours them, right? So because the people were distracted, they did not get circumcised along the way. I want to also stop there for a moment. And cause I know y'all are listening. I can tell y'all are listening. You're looking very intently at me. But I don't think you're, don't think you're quite listening. So circumcision is a sign of the covenant. This back then, it's a sign of the covenant. It's showing that God is with you. It happens to babies, male babies, when they are eight days old. What's happening now is a circumcision of full-grown adults. Adults. And it is um, with flint knives that he is doing this. So he basically took a stone, made it sharp enough, made the edges sharp enough to where they could be circumcised. And he now decides, to, God tells him to circumcise these full-grown adults. I don't know about you, but there are some things that God has been addressing with me that it would have been more convenient if you addressed this about 15 years ago. It would have been much more convenient if you had addressed my operating system before I got married or before I had kids, or before I got this job, it would have been much more convenient, more sanitary, if you had done this before. So now they're being circumcised at a very inconvenient time, but it has to happen because in order for them to be able to take possession of the land, they have to have God with them, which is the sign of the covenant. Amen? Okay, so we're on the same page. So... They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. Yes, God. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. Um, so let's go back to us. So very similar to them. He states promise and gives vision, and then he says, but wait, before you go obtain that, let's detour, let's work on some stuff that probably hasn't been worked on, that needed to be worked on a while back, but we didn't do it, it didn't get addressed, so let's, let's pause and let's work on some stuff before you go into the land. So 
the last few months, God has just been working and cutting and addressing and bringing up things that I didn't even know were an issue to even be addressed. Talking about a bell that's been ringing that I didn't even know the enemy had hold of a bell that could possibly dictate my actions. Just addressing, addressing. And I want to make sure that three months into the, after the series, we've been in for three months, that we really sit in this moment and take in the weight of what we just did. Again, this is the part I don't think that we do enough of because for three months, and I can't speak for you, but for three months, God was just attacking and talking and challenging and he was it, was, it was such a painful process. Maybe it wasn't painful for you. If it wasn't, I don't think you did it right. Because it was, it was work and it was painful. When you actually cut flesh physically, you disrupt the DNA of a thing. Okay, so what is DNA? Y'all don't know what that is. Dioxyribonucleic acid. A self-replicating material which is present in nearly all living organisms as the main constituent of chromosomes. It is the carrier of genetic information, the fundamental and distinctive characteristics or qualities of someone or something, especially when regarded as unchangeable. This is going to feel a little clinical. That's the point. When, God, when you... Physically, when you cut something, you are disrupting the DNA of that thing. You are cutting into what felt unchangeable, and you are changing it. You are changing the makeup of that thing. So in this habit series, I can only speak for myself. God was disrupting my DNA. Parts of me that just were who I was, Parts of me that I saw from my parents that I actually learned and that was just became my personality, he started cutting and dividing and what felt like it could never be changed, he started to change it and disrupt it. That is serious work. I think that's the part that um, I want to make sure that we get today because it's a more practical part and it's not as spiritual as we all like to be. That's heavy. Like, my, my Dr. Masson, shout out again, he made sure to tell me that you are having a major surgery. Like, this is not a walk in the park. This is not a um, go in and outpatient procedure. I stayed two days in the hospital. I never stayed two days in nobody's hospital. Even when I was having babies, it was like 24-hour turnaround. I have never stayed two days in the hospital and needed all the days and wanted another one. Like, y'all going to let me go today? Like, it was major surgery. What happened just now from August until last week was major surgery. And if you don't see the weight of what happened... You won't take the time and, the, and be intentional about preserving the work that was done. If you don't see that what happened was major, so, for example, with my back, if I don't see that it was major surgery, like I left in, whew, I left in a brace 
and with a walker and with a drain. And if you don't get that that's major and you just go off and trollop to the mall or just like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, start back to work. Like, no, you didn't, you, it was major what happened. And what God wanted to make sure that he did in this moment was to press pause before we just move on to the next thing. Wait for the next series. This ain't Amazon. This ain't Netflix. It ain't like what's coming up new. What's next? No, like you need to stop and you need to take in what just happened. Because if you don't stop and reflect and think about what just happened, you are likely to re-injure yourself. And you are likely to break something and be in a worse situation than you when you first started because you didn't take heed and take care to the work that was done. So that's what today is for. This is your first post-op for that reason. God wants to be very intentional um, in making sure that we understand that what just happened with the Habit Series was very painful but very powerful. And it has the ability to completely change the trajectory of our life from here on out. But it will not do that if you just see it as a series graphic. Like, the series graphic is gone. We're not in habits no more. I'm waiting for Pastor Monzel to see what he puts up next. Like, no, not this one. Like, we've done a lot of series, and they've all been really good, but not this one. If you treat this series like it was an outpatient procedure and like it was not the major surgery that it was, there could be complications. So... There are common, going back to the physical, there are common um, complications post-op that people have. One of them is um, acute confusion. So they tell you, if you've ever had, have anybody ever had surgery? Yeah, I know that people have had surgery before. Um, they will tell you, make sure that you drink lots of fluids after you have this surgery because your body is doing a lot of work and it needs to stay hydrated. And if you don't stay hydrated, you can have what they call acute confusion. Basically, you like go outside your mind because there's so much work happening and there's so much healing taking place, but you're not drinking any water. I heard God is living water. If you're not taking in water to make sure that you are hydrating yourself, then you can have acute confusion, like literally go outside your mind as a complication. Another common um, post-op complication is infection. So all infection means is that there has been some work done, it's healing, and it comes in contact with something that is in detriment to the healing. And you can have infection. You can run a high fever. You can die from infection. Because something that just this, that DNA was that was disrupted, it's been cut. It is now healing, and then you have something come in contact with that healing, and now there is infection. I would encourage you to take notes because this is the this is the difference between the habit series being a entertaining three months and the habit series being what changed my whole life. This is the difference between the work being preserved and sustained by God and it being infected. 
Okay. You look solemn enough to see that you understand what I'm saying. So what God has for us um, are just some points, um, or I would say we have a few points to our recovery plan. So I would encourage you again to take notes. This is intended to be an appointment. I did not wear scrubs to be cute because they're actually not cute. I am wearing them for those listening because I want to make sure that we walk away with everything that we need for our recovery post-habit series. So the first point, the first plan item you should write down is understand there will be pain. Most patients do not leave surgery pain-free. Disrupting your DNA is painful and there will be scar tissue. It is a natural part of the healing process, but it is not beautiful. So walking out of the habit series, I have pain. I have things that God disrupted in thought processes that he started to challenge and ways of just operating my MO that I, that it's always been so natural to me that doing something different feels foreign and it feels awkward and painful and it's not beautiful. And I want to say this because God wants to say this because we want to bust the church myth that everything wraps up by the end of the episode. That once it's over, everything is great and everything falls into place and everything is beautiful. That is not true. If you have left this habit series and you feel more pain now than you felt before it started, that's natural. So before I had my surgery, I was having numbness and tingling, which is aggravating, but it's not painful. When I left my surgery, I had 10 out of 10 pain, 10 out of 10 pain, like crying in the hospital, like crying for the nurse. And then when she would come crying because she came and there was nothing she could do that could possibly help me. Like I was crying. I was like taking my clothes off. I'm like hot. And I'm like, I have never experienced, I have had three children. I should, I should preface it by saying that I have had three children. So I know that this is pain that is like outside of this world pain. My husband could probably attest to the level of pain that I was having. That was pain that came because of the surgery. There are things that when we come in here and God starts to talk to us and he starts to reveal truth to us and he starts to shed light on things that haven't had light shed on them and he starts to do work that on things that we never thought he would ever work on, that is painful. And that is you have pain because of the habit series. The great thing about God is that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. The great thing about God is he promises to be ever-present help in the time of trouble. So I'm not alone in my pain. But there will be pain, and there will be scar tissue, and it's not beautiful. And I just want to make sure that no one, if you're listening or if you're here and you've been a part of the series and you're like, my life is a mess. 
Like, I've been in the series, and it's still a mess. Like, I still don't have that relationship repaired. I still, as a matter of fact, now it's actually worse than when I started because now I'm doing things to walk in a different way and to have a different set of habits. And now, because I'm, because I'm doing that, now it's worse now than it was before I started. That pain should be expected, okay? So there will be pain. There will be scar tissue. That's the first thing we want to make sure we know. The second thing is we want to limit exposure to people, places, and things that do not support my new habits. Limit exposure to people, places, and things that do not support my new habits. This goes back to that infection that we were talking about. So what I am not suggesting, what God is not suggesting, is that you could possibly now that you're out of the habit series and you're taking on the God's habits and you're re relieving yourself of all these bad habits that you can just kind of go in a, in a silo or that you can just wrap yourself in like cellophane and not have to deal with people in the world. That's not realistic. We're still in the world, so you're going to have to deal with people. But what he is saying is to make sure that you are very selective about who you talk to, how long you talk to them, the conversations that you pick up, the places that you go, the people that you entertain, the movies that you entertain. The, this is, okay, because I can see some people. I, I see it like I ain't going to do all that. Okay, so here's the thing. Masan was very clear with me that don't jump into this surgery if you're not going to be willing to do the steps of the recovery plan. This is part of recovery. If you want these habits that we talked about and that were destroyed and the walls that went down, if you don't want them re-erected, and if you want to make sure that you can maintain God's habits, these, this is the work part that you're going to have to do. Limiting who you talk to, if you talk to them, how long you talk to them, where you're going, what you're listening to, all of that is going to matter to make sure that you can preserve the work that was done. You don't have to tell me yes or no if you're going to do it, but I'm just letting you know that these are the instructions. Amen? So what does that look like? Um, again, I'm trying to make sure this is this come down. It's very practical. So, again, I'm not saying you can't go to work. Don't use it as an excuse. I can't go to work no more because them people bring the wrong habits out of me. I'm not saying that. Um, you need to go to work. <laughs> Keep your job. Um, but being selective about what you let into your spirit. So, for example, um, when me and my husband first got married, I used to love Beyonce. Beyonce. Now, if you still love Beyonce, I'm not saying you can't love Beyonce. I'm not saying you can't go to her concerts. I'm not saying you need to take off your phone. I don't want the beehive, whoever's listening. I don't want them coming for me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Beyonce. I'm not saying that. We clear? Because y'all know she got a beehive, and they will, ugh. I don't need them coming for TMC. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I used to love Beyonce. And in particular, I loved her B-Day album. Y'all remember? It was like 2006, 2007. I used to love her B-Day album. And there were two songs in particular that I loved. One of them was called Green Light. And basically, she was saying that if you're not pleasing me the way that I need you pleasing me, then you got the green light. You can go. And it was like great harmonies, great chords, like go, go, go. So it was like go. Get out of my life. Another song that I loved 
You remember that song. You know. Another song was called Irreplaceable. And so she was saying, you must, I knew y'all wasn't always saying. She said, you must not know about me. You must not know about me. Because I can have another you in a minute. Matter of fact, he'll be here in a minute. Baby. So those are my two favorite songs. But um, when I got married and I realized that I am a product of divorced parents. And I have been divorced. And so I don't need anything feeding my spirit telling me that if he ain't acting right, he got the green light, he can go, and he's irreplaceable, or he don't think that he's not irreplaceable, because that is contradicting what I'm trying to do, which is make this last forever. That is contradicting the very thing that I am saying. I want to make sure that in the good times and in the bad times that we are together and that till death do us part, we are together. I can't be feeding myself, pumping into my veins that he got the green light because that's going to be contradicting what I'm trying to do. I know y'all join me on that. Y'all get what I'm saying? There are certain things in your life, cues, if you will, that you need to kill the cue. We talked about that in week one. We sure did. We talked about killing the cue. And I remember because I listened to it this past week preparing for this message. And Pastor Wanzel was really excited in the moment. He was yelling. He was yelling to kill the cue. And then y'all was yelling. And I was yelling too because I was sitting right there. I was yelling, kill the cue, you know. And it was like, it was kind of like, you know, Beauty and the Beast. So we were like, kill the beast. Like it was like a chant. And we were all really excited. But did you actually kill the cue? Right? We talk about recovery. We talk about maintenance. We talk about making sure that this thing works. Have we actually gone to kill the cues? Beyonce is at least those two songs. Again, I'm not saying she bad, but them two songs was a cue for me because there was something in me that already wanted to work independent of anybody anyway. So the last thing I need to do is have her egging me on and co-signing what I'm feeling anyway. That's the infection part. You're healing. There are things that God is working on. There are things that God has revealed that, oh, that's a problem. Or, oh, this is a good thing. We need to develop that together. The last thing I need to do is allow my healing to come in contact with something that is the opposite of what God is establishing in me. Amen? Amen. So we want to limit our exposure to people, places, and things that do not support our new habits. The next part of the recovery plan is a new diet is required. So, Masan told me that, um, again, this is before I even had surgery, he said that once you have surgery, you're going to have bone that's trying to fuse with another part of your spine. And maybe you don't understand this. I should have bought graphics to make sure you understand what's really happening. So, in a spinal fusion, there's a break. Like I say, this is part of your spine. This is the other part of your spine. They're not together anymore. So what we're going to do is we're going to put some rods and things to bring them together. But you see, that's not flush. It's just sitting on top of it. So we need them to fuse to where it's like that. And it can support your back again. So in order for that spinal fusion to happen, he's saying that you're going to want to eat certain foods like um, lean meats and proteins and leafy green things because that's going to support the bones fusing together. 
there are things that I started to eat that I've never eaten before because he told me that the only way that this is going to be successful is if you change your diet and help and aid the healing process. There are going to be things that maybe you have not done them before, that's not been a part of your regular routine, that you're going to have to start doing now. So maybe you are like a one Sunday a month person. You're going to have to come every Sunday. Like maybe you hear about movement groups, and I know you do because I announce them every week. Maybe you hear them and you think to yourself, oh, that'd be a good idea. I'll make it one day. Like, no, you're going to have to start coming to the movement groups and finding spaces that are not Sunday to connect with God. I started, um, I started eating bran muffins, and my mom, my husband were buying, like, these insure things I was drinking, like, just trying to get it in, like, trying to make sure that the healing can happen and make sure that my body can be restored. And my, I started just, just nasty stuff. Like, it's just, like, who eat? I was eating it because I wanted to make sure that he told me really dark green. He told me really lean. I started just eating stuff that I never have introduced into my diet before, but it was necessary. That goes back to the, do you see this as being something that is really necessary? Because when it's necessary, you do stuff that you don't normally do. So Sunday, every Sunday, movement groups, I'm going, sign me up. Um, Maybe it's a matter of you and God saying that Wednesday night, personally, we carve out 30 to 45 minutes where it's just me and him and we're reading the word. I'm reading the word because I know that the last time I heard a word was Sunday. I'm not going to hear another one until next Sunday. And I've got to make sure that there's something in my week that is me and him that, that connects me. I, don't, I can't tell you what that is. I'm just telling you that there are going to be some things that you're going to have to start to eat and start to do that maybe you haven't done before and maybe it doesn't taste good and maybe you don't like it at first and maybe it's frustrating for you to have to leave work and then make it to a movement group by 6.45. So what? You need to do it because this is a part of your recovery. If you care, if 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 three months of your life that you can't get back in the habit series means anything to you, then you just do it. Amen? So there'll have to be a new diet. And the final point is spiritual therapy is required. And some of y'all looking at me and y'all like me right now, and that is okay. Because, and that's partially why I wore the scrubs. So that you, you wouldn't be disliking me. You'd be disliking the LPN in front of you. Spiritual therapy is required. So I'm not saying that you have to go to therapy. I'm also not saying that you shouldn't go to therapy. Because honestly, there are some things that if we want to be very practical, you might need therapy. The church don't talk about that because, ooh, that's just, you know, that Jesus heals it all. And they don't, that's, that's satanic and secular. You might need therapy. So I'm not saying don't go to therapy. But today, we're not talking about actual therapy. He's talking about making sure that we are going through with him as the therapist all of the right motions to make sure that we can maintain the work that has been done. So um, I went to physical therapy, had surgery October 29th. I started physical therapy the middle of November. 
and I stayed in physical therapy until February. That is months of therapy that I went to. And the whole purpose of physical therapy was, um, first of all, I had to start working my new back. Because the back I had before is no more. Like, now I've got these rods, and it's, it's, it's been restructured. I have to start working that. They started teaching me how to, they would stretch me out, and they would teach me how to do exercises to build my core. Because now that my back is compromised, my core has to be stronger. They were doing that. Um, they were just showing me little stuff. Like, um, they told me, they said, you are 31 years old, and you just had a major back surgery. And you have a long time to preserve this work. It's not like you were like 40 or 50 or 60 having the surgery. You're 31. So if you want this work to be preserved for all of the rest of your life, which is hopefully a very full life, you have to make sure that you are doing all of the right things to be able to preserve this work. And they were showing me just little stuff, like um, how to get out of bed. So I normally pop up like this. Well, you can't do that because I had surgery in my lower back. You need to first go on your side, then sit up, then get out of bed that way. Lifting techniques. I mean, just showing me how to walk out this thing and make sure that I can have a full life, life abundantly, with the work that has been done. And I have been talking to my husband, and I have been talking to God because I need you to show me how to do, like, little stuff. Like, it's not the, the big stuff, yeah, but it's, like, the little stuff, like, the getting out of bed. It's, it's the little stuff, like, how do I respond to this email that just came across my desk? Because I want to say it this way, but then I find myself, like, delete, 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 delete. Like, how, how, do, I, how do I respond to that? Like, how do I respond to, um, you know, my husband's ex? When I see her, what does that look like? How do I respond? Because I'm used to responding a certain way. I need to respond a different way. How do I respond to my kid? Like, it, it's, it's like, show me how to walk this out. Because I don't know how to do it. I don't know. We talked about my MO. There are things that, that genetically I just respond a certain way. But God, show me how to walk this out differently. So physical therapy, spiritual therapy is required. Amen? Those are all the points to the recovery plan. And I'm actually um, closing. But I just want to say that when I, when, I, when I heard that something, when I started to feel that something was wrong with my back, I didn't know what was wrong. But I knew that whatever it is, if it requires surgery, I'm going to do it. I knew that because I knew that I did not want to spend the rest of my life babysitting pain and pain management. And I've watched people in my life do that and just medicate and medicate and medicate and never actually get to the root of what is wrong. I knew that I wanted to have surgery if that was what was required. Most of us as adults... We don't want to have surgery. We avoid surgery for a couple of reasons. One, there's the fear factor of getting, you know, I heard all the rumors like, you know, you can be paralyzed and they're going to be messing around in your back. I mean, there's the fear factor. But then there is also the convenience factor. It is inconvenient to have surgery. 
it's not inconvenient to take one day to go have surgery. It is inconvenient all of the post stuff that's required from surgery. It's time off of work. It's going to physical therapy. I had to find a physical therapist next to my job because I had to go twice a week. So I had to make sure that I was going either before work or after work or during my lunch. It is inconvenient. So that's why most people who are adults, they don't have surgery. They avoid surgery. But you committed to something when the habit series was going forward. You committed and you told God, I know that you did because I was here with you. We all did. We committed to say, God, disrupt my DNA. God, change my MO. God, address the bell that's ringing. God, work on stuff that I thought was okay. God, give me a new set of habits. You, we all committed to that. The only way that that's going to be successful and sustainable is if we do what God has just given us today in terms of recovery. And this is probably not the most exciting message for you all because you really wanted to just hear that God makes all things new and that once he touches it, he blesses it. But God is yes and amen and all that. That's great. But there's work to be done after God does a thing. And that is the work that we will be doing for the rest of our life. God wanted to make sure that in this moment that we knew the weight of what happened and the weight of what we got to experience and that we were prepared to care for the work that was done. Amen. When I went to my um, final post-op appointment, I had been going to a bunch of them, and they were asking for x-rays, and I'd bring the x-rays, and they would review the work, and they would say, oh, it's about 30% fused, or it's about 40% fused. But when I went back on the final time, he said, it's 100% fused. I can still see screws, and I can still see the rods, but I don't see any break. I see nothing broken. God, I thank you. I thank you because... If you go back really quickly to Joshua chapter 5, the very final verse said, Then the Lord said to Joshua, after they had been circumcised and after they had taken time to heal, and they're ready to go into the promised land now, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. All reproach means is disgrace or, do, or to be discredited. So he was saying that now that you've allowed me to do the work, I don't see bondage anymore. I, don't, I see free people who are ready to go into my land. I would imagine that when they saw Jesus, they saw the holes where the nails were. But the work was done. And because of the work that he did, now there's free people. He's done the major heavy lifting of this. When he went to the cross and when he, when he allowed himself to be killed for us, he did all of the major work. All we need to do now is preserve the work. Amen. 
Would you please stand to your feet? Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.